Hello, I'm Paulina Cameron, and I'm the CEO of the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs. We are a Canadian charity that educates, mentors, energizes, and connects women entrepreneurs to be wildly successful, promoting strong economies and thriving communities. To learn more about our programming, visit our website at www.fwe.ca. I am thrilled to be your host for FWE's podcast, The Go-To, for entrepreneurs in the know, sponsored by Scotiabank. I interview inspiring guests who will share their business success journey and provide crucial pieces of advice you can use today to move your business forward. Let's dive in. Today we are talking about fundraising secrets and with me I have Taryn Gatrora of Bloom. Hey Taryn. Hey Paulina. So great to have you here. I love that we get to host you here and I've known you for a few years and I'm so excited for the growth you've had so far. Bloom is an online company that provides self-care products and sex education for women and girls and destigmatizes talking about period and women's health. So Taryn, your company is three years old now and you've recently raised $3.3 million in seed funding from a group of investors. So amazing, congratulations. Thank you. Can you tell us about the moment when you and your sister Bunny, your co-founder, made the decision to raise money to grow? Yeah, absolutely. So we decided to raise money probably about a year into bootstrapping. And prior to that, we were actually working part-time jobs. So (laughs) she was working as an accountant at Deloitte and I was working at a law firm. So we would save our money (laughs) and use it to purchase inventory and then we'd work in the evening, ship product, and just kind of keep recycling revenue. And then we got to a point where both of our credit cards were maxed out. Um, And then it's a bit of a scary place to be looking at financing options and just there's a lot of stigma around debt. Uh, But we ended up exploring some debt financing options for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so what that is, is essentially a business loan. Um, So the first kind of financing that we did was uh, undilutive financing, which means that it's debt. And we did that through Futurepreneur Canada, which supports young entrepreneurs. Um, And then also we supplemented that with some funding from the Women's Enterprise Centre. And so that was kind of our first round. And the way we made that decision was essentially, like I said, we needed the funds to fund our inventory cycles because often you need to buy certain quantities of products um, up front. And so that's how it started. And then as we solidified our vision and knew how big it was and how quickly we wanted to move, that prompted us to raise venture funding because at the end of the day, the venture is fuel to grow faster. That's so great. So basically you went from kind of having it as a side hustle where you were able to bootstrap it and have the cash flow going to getting some local Canadian resources like Futurepreneur and Women's Enterprise Center, great local nonprofit organizations that support young and women entrepreneurs, and then looking down the venture path. So as you looked down that path, can you tell us about the resources you use to help make the decision about how much money, where to raise the money and how to pitch successfully? Where did you go to get help and what were some of the resources? Mm -hmm. Great questions. Um, So first to start, uh, when it comes to the amount of money, generally any venture round that you do, you give up the same portion. So if you do a large uh, seed round or any seed round, you're still going to give away pretty much the same amount of the company, which is generally around 20%. And that's every round of financing. Um, So it it makes sense to raise how much you will need at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that's one million or three million, you're probably going to give away the same amount to the company. Um, and so for us, given where the milestones were, uh, the fact that we already had 
um, you know, a two million run rate of revenue. We knew uh, if we wanted to expand that, we would need a decent sized chunk of money. So mm-hmm. we raised three point three million on Safe Notes, um, and. The resources that we use to help make that decision, um, there's a number of them. So for the first kind of place where we found out about how to finance your company through venture and how it all worked was 500 Startups, mm-hmm. which is an accelerator in Silicon Valley. That taught us a lot. It also helped us with um, introductions to investors. And then learning how to pitch, part of that was 500, part of it was through mentors and advisors that we had. And then in terms of resources, I would really recommend Y Combinator Startup School. They have a fundraising Bible, which has everything you need to know about fundraising, and it's really amazing. I would also recommend, um, there's a book called Venture Deals, and that just helps you understand how VC works. And Mm -hmm. it's really important to know before you start raising if you even want to and if it makes sense for your business, Mm -hmm. and also what kind of investors you're going to raise from. Awesome. And so for those who aren't familiar, can you clarify and tell us what does safe notes mean? Basically, it's an agreement for future equity in your company. And so it converts into equity when you do an equity financing round. Awesome. And I know you've before talked about a really amazing spreadsheet that you had during that time to keep yourself organized. Can you walk us through that process? When it comes to raising money, you do have to be super organized because if you have people in different uh parts of the sales process, it becomes very disorganized and your fundraise can drag on for months and months and you definitely Mm -hmm. don't want that because you need to get back to running your business. So um, how I did it was um, I was raising the funds in February. I knew that was when I wanted to start the raise and ideally end it um, by around April. So I started putting together a spreadsheet in December of my target investors, the people that would be the ideal fits based on other investments they'd made, knowledge that they could bring, resources, um, people that were in the industry and understood direct-to-consumer companies. And then from there, I found I had a separate column of who was connected to those investors that I could ask for a warm introduction, which is always better than um, cold emailing Mm -hmm. them. And then that person can provide context. And then I sent out all of my introduction requests in January. And then um, usually you'll have like, it'll depend on your pitch, but you'll have a hit rate of how many people opt in to actually wanting to take a meeting with you Mm -hmm. from there. And then you want to keep those meetings in a condensed period of time. So you don't want to spread them out and just do them as soon as people respond. Um, You want to control that process. And so for me, I had a set uh, date from February 1st to mid-February where I booked all Mm. of my meetings. So I did 40 meetings a week. And I was in New York for our pop-up, which was great because it allowed for like really quick uh, meetings with people. And then you want to start closing people after that. And so we actually closed the 3.3 million in one month because it was a very organized process. So I think if everything else is a fit and you're happy with the investor and obviously there's a lot of things they need to understand about your business, you do need to get to yes or no quickly (laughs) because uh, oftentimes investors don't necessarily say no. They say maybe or they ask Mm -hmm. for more materials and that can really drag on for a long time. And because you need to close the process quickly to get back to your business, you do want to ask them to just respectfully let you know yes or no by a certain date. And if it's a no, just move on and find other investors. You've had such incredible experience with both staying true to the values of your business as well as growing your business. What's a piece of advice that you have for someone who's looking at their own growth opportunities and wants to move their business forward? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I have two for this. And the first one is to get a mentor. 
but I think it's really helpful to get a mentor that is a bit closer to you in the stage of their business, as well as maybe mentors that are super successful and have been growing their business for years. Because often um, when someone's a bit closer and if maybe they executed where you are even a year or two years ago, it's more actionable for you to actually apply to your day to day. And it doesn't seem so distant as Mm -hmm. someone that is already like maybe exited their company. And then the second thing would be to attach yourself to solving the problem for your customers and not necessarily the what or the initial idea that you had because you do need to be adaptable and flexible and and listen to what people are looking for and I think that allows you to um, change your business and create something that the world really needs and if you look at a lot of extremely successful businesses today that is what they did. Like Slack, I think, was originally a video game company. Mm. Um, and there's just hundreds of examples of companies that have kind of pivoted by listening to their audience. Taryn, how can people find and follow you? They can find us at bloom.com, B-L-U-M-E.com, and on Instagram at meetbloom. Amazing. Thank you so much, Taryn. We're so thrilled to see you and your company grow. And thank you for joining us today. Cheering you on. Thank you for having me. We believe it takes a village to raise an entrepreneur, and we are generously supported by a community of individuals and companies helping us move the dial. This podcast represents a national collaboration with the Scotiabank Women Initiative, bringing education to women entrepreneurs throughout the country. Before we hear from our next guest, we are thrilled to speak with Gillian Riley. Gillian is the Executive Vice President, President and CEO of Tangerine Bank, and the Executive Sponsor of the Scotiabank Women Initiative. Since joining Scotiabank in 1994, Jillian has held a number of senior leadership positions. In her current role, Jillian is working to build and execute the strategies behind Tangerine Bank, positioning the bank as Canada's leading digital bank. In addition to growing Tangerine's customer base, Jillian is spearheading the Scotiabank Women Initiative, a comprehensive program to help women entrepreneurs take their business to the next level. Jillian, why is fundraising so important for business growth? It's definitely a game changer. I remember uh, back many years that I I gave my first loan to a female entrepreneur. She secured the capital she needed to pursue her dreams. She was actually starting a frozen hors d'oeuvres company and she needed some seed capital. And I remember thinking, wow, this woman is dedicated. She's committed and she's going to really make a go of it. And with our help in securing capital for her, she did just that. She did an amazing job building the business and the commitment was there the whole way. And it was certainly an important part of of her business growth. How is Scotiabank moving the dial for women entrepreneurs? I have been um, in banking at Scotiabank for more than 25 years. And in many of those years, I have helped many teams and many companies both men and women, build, start, and grow their businesses. The Scotiabank Women Initiative was something that was founded on a vision and a commitment to strengthen equality for women-led businesses through three key pillars. First one is access to capital. Second one is mentorship. And the third one is education. We're definitely committed to equal access to our financing solutions and can propose creative financing tailored to our clients' priorities. I expect that the percentage of women-owned businesses and women-led businesses will only increase 
and we'll see many more women entrepreneurs seeking funding, just like the hors d'oeuvre success story I mentioned earlier. It is my view that there has never been a better time to be a woman entrepreneur or a woman leading a business in Canada. And Scotiabank has a real opportunity to assist women who are leading businesses to ensure the sustainability and growth of their businesses while also addressing an important social challenge. Thank you so much for your support, Jillian and the Scotiabank Women Initiative for supporting women entrepreneurs across the country. Thank you, have a great day. And now let's dive back into our conversation. Our next guest on the topic of fundraising secrets is Tracy Costa from Peekaboo Beans. Hey, Tracy, when I last saw you, you were a speaker at our E-Series West. How have you been? I've been fantastic. Thank you, Paulina. Peekaboo Beans is a children's clothing company fueled by a strong culture of the power of unstructured play, curiosity, creativity, and a sense of wonderment. Tracy, your company started in 2006 and has been growing so steadily ever since. From retail to distribution to e-commerce, Peekaboo Beans is now a public company on the Canadian Securities Exchange. Can you walk us through the types of capital you accessed to grow your business and leading up to going public? Absolutely. Obviously, going public is a very big decision. And when I started the business, I did access capital in different ways. And so I'll walk you through some of those ways. Um, The first thing that I did was I I raised money in privately in the company through seed capital. So seed capital was I had the idea to create peekaboo beans and create this sustainable clothing option for children that really empowered them to live a playful life. Um, And so with having that strong mission and vision, I was able to find seed partners that came in with capital and took shares in the company privately. And so they got um, certain voting shares and it was structured through obviously corporate lawyers. um, And that is what I would call seed capital. As I started to grow, there became a need for capital for inventory. um, And we were able to access capital through lines of credit. Um, But If you are not profitable, it's oftentimes difficult to access capital um, if you're not profitable. So either banks will often look to your receivables as um, security or through um, your inventory. So our third round of financing was through a friends and family private um, shareholding purchase. So, you know, people see what you're doing. Your friends know you're passionate about your business. They get excited about it. There's a lot of cool kind of micro cap companies that are doing really great things and people want to get in on the ground floor. So you could go out and you can raise money through friends and family, which we did, and they would get a share in the company and um, either a common share, uh, which is typically what people would get at that level unless they were coming in for a significant amount. Um, And then the next option that we did uh, entertain was private equity. The problem with private equity at our stage is we just weren't big enough. And so it was really hard to entice private equity to come in at that time. Thank you for that. And um, you decided to obviously you decided to go public. So can you tell us about making that decision and what lessons you learned through that process? Well, I think it's one of those things where, you know, 
you want to see the business grow and there's a lot of great things happening and you're kind of trying to make those what are those critical decisions that are going to take you to that next level and so going public is a very very big decision and in some ways there was a lot of naivety around that because you're just learning in some ways as you go but with sort of the mentorship through my network and through my board of directors we made that decision and the reasons we did was because um, there's actually a lot of good reasons to go public and there's also a lot of challenges with that. So I know there have been a couple of books that have been really instrumental for you to uh, to support you in bringing to life your vision and mission. Can you tell us about what those are? Yeah, so if we're talking about books that are pivotal, the, the first one, which is, you know, a lot of people have heard about Brene Brown mm-hmm. um, and Dare to Lead. Um, the reason I talk about that, because I think that she's, I'm very, very passionate about communication and culture. And the reason is, is that we all get up every single day and every single one of your employees in your business has had a different life experience to lead up to become part of your team. And then the other one that I love, and I'm in the middle of reading it right now is essentialism. And essentialism is really teaching me like, what are the key things that I need to work on that are going to be most effective? Because I think at the end of the day, we can all really get stuck in our to-do list because our Mm to-do list is very satisfying. And yet oftentimes our to-do lists are the least things that actually drive forward the business. Tell me for someone who is listening and looking at their own growth opportunities, what do you think is the one thing you'd want them to take away from this conversation and that they can do today to move their business forward? Just to to sort of keep it simple, know your margin, know how much your product costs, how much you sell it for, how much it costs to um, pay out whatever is required in order to sell that, whether it be a commission Mm -hmm. or some sort of intermediate intermediary cost. Um, know your expenses, then know, based on those things, know your break even point, how much you have to sell with what margin in order to pay your expenses and at the end have a profit. Um, And then at the end of the day, obviously know how you're going to, if you want to hit those revenue numbers, you need to have the plan in order to what initiatives, actions um, you're going to do and what they're going to cost you in order to build that revenue stream. On that note, Tracy, tell us where people can find and follow you online. If you're looking on Facebook, you can go to Pico Beans Playground. Obviously, online is www.peekabooBeans.com and on Instagram at Peekaboo Beans and on Twitter at Peekaboo Beans and on Pinterest at Peekaboo Beans. So we're really original with that. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, Tracy. We are all cheering you on. Thank you. You guys have been a big supporter and I'm just so grateful for such an amazing organization. Awesome. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on The Go-To for Entrepreneurs in the Know. Our goal is to give you tangible resources and information that you can use today to help your business move forward. You can find more details from this podcast on our website at fwe.ca. We invite you to share your own experiences or ask questions about fundraising secrets. Tweet or tag us at FWE Canada. Thank you to our production team at Self Hired Media and the FWE team. This podcast is also available in French with a big shout out to our translation team at Hummingbird Translations. <laughs>